to celebrate her life this coming Tuesday morning. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. It's page 1081 in the Pew Bible there in front of you. If you didn't bring a Bible, just grab that paperback Bible open to 1081. That's where we are. We, we preach through books of the Bible here. We're preaching through the book of Ephesians. We've come to this passage that uh, God has providentially placed us in for this day, this moment. So if you're here, if you're our guest, we want you to feel welcome and know that we're super glad that you're here. We have a gift for you we'd love to give you after the service. If you go to the welcome desk right there in the foyer, we got a gift bag. We'd just love to say, hey, thanks for being with us. Um, but you know, talking to people and over the last couple of weeks, really for four weeks, I've spent four weeks in an airport going to Brazil, coming back to Brazil, then last weekend, then this weekend. I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of men knew a lot of strangers. I mean, spend enough time in airports, start talking to people. And, and I just feel like this morning, just quickly, we need to just be reminded for a second about why we're here, who we are. Because when I'm talking to people, I'm, I'm really burdened by how so oftentimes when people, eventually they get around to what do I do for a living and that's when the conversation changes. And, and then I, I just hear, I hear in people this, this belief that church is not a place that they're welcome. They're, they're not you have to get it together to go to church. Church is for people who have it together. No. I mean, when we, a church is a hospital for people on various stages, in various stages of healing from the brokenness of sin. It's, it's like a, when I hear someone say that they went to church and they weren't welcome, I, I think it, it'd be like a doctor who, who walks into the office with his nurses and he's complaining, you know, every day it's sick people, sick people, sick people. Why are all these sick people coming? Why don't, why don't healthy people come visit us? Because healthy people don't go to the doctor. Church is a hospital for, for sick people. And I want you to know if you're here today and you don't have it all together, maybe you feel like you just don't have it all figured out, maybe you're not even sure what you don't have figured out, well, you're welcome here. And we're really glad you're here because, by the way, we don't have it all figured out either. But we serve a God who does have it all figured out. And so let's get some context again as we're in Ephesians 4. We're going to start reading in verse 21. Let's just read these verses to set the context for this morning. So if you'd read along with me. Ephesians 4, verse 21. The Lord says, Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, 
and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And every time I read that, I just think, that is unbelievable. Think about what God is saying here. He's inviting us to put off the old and to put on the new. And before we know God, all we have is the old. There is no new. And God's saying no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, when you know me, when you come into relationship with me, you can exchange the corrupt for the created. It, it, it tells me, every time I read this passage, I think God understands my struggles. He sees me right where I am. So in light of that, he says in verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And again, God understands that we live in a world based on performance. It, uh, the first thing he addresses when he's talking about putting on the new self is this, this issue that he knows we all deal with. He sees us in our exhaustion. He knows we're exhausted from trying to hide our failures, constantly having to keep up a facade, pretending that we're something that we're not. So many people today live afraid that someone's going to find out who they really are. So God says, no, put the new self on. Put away falsehood. You don't have to hide anymore. And then last week we looked at verse 26. The next verse says, be angry and do not sin. And remember, we said that the problem is not anger. I mean, anger is everywhere. We live in a culture filled with anger. The problem is not anger. The problem is misdirected anger. And what the Bible teaches about anger is that we get angry about the wrong things in the wrong way. And so we spent our time together last week talking about anger and what the Bible says about it. Now let's look at the rest of the passage for this week. The Lord says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And then look at verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Will you, will you give us freedom to allow your word to speak into our lives? Lord, we, we need you. We want you. Will you give us ears to hear that we might be honest with ourselves? And before you, that you would do in our lives what only you could do. We promise to give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So clearly what, 
what the Apostle Paul does here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is he changes from the, the statement, be angry but don't sin. And then what follows is this explanation of what happens, what we need to do with our anger. How do we need to deal with this? And it's a conversation about forgiveness. C.S. Lewis said everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. That's so true. I mean, we love the fact that God has forgiven us. It's wonderful when other people forgive us. But forgiveness gets difficult when we have something to forgive. Now, all of you, when you came in this morning, you should have been handed a rock. So you, you have a rock, and it's, it's my hope and prayer that this rock will mean something to you, not just today, but in the days ahead. See, the truth is, forgiveness is not a, a problem for some of us. It's a problem for all of us. It's a need for all of us. And the truth is, there's a lot of us who, who came in here this morning and you brought rocks with you. Everywhere you go, you bring rocks. You've carried them for a long time. Ever since your, your boss let you go without cause or ever since you found out, found yourself ostracized by people you thought were your friends or ever since a classmate cheated off you or a spouse cheated on you. Every day there's an opportunity for us to be hurt or wounded. Maybe it's a coworker that took your idea and pretended like it was their own or, or maybe it was your uncle or family member that took your innocence. Maybe you've been hurt by a pastor. Maybe you've been hurt by a drunk driver who took the life of a loved one. Trust me, I understand that some of you have been sinned against in ways that for the rest of us it's hard to understand. I talked to you. I've heard your stories. Maybe you're here this morning and you're mad at God. You feel like He let you down. He wasn't there for you when you needed Him. Whatever it was, it may have been years ago. But you carry these rocks everywhere you go because the hurt's still there. Somehow, in our brokenness, we, we find security and satisfaction in 
holding someone hostage over the hurt that they've caused us. So like rocks, we carry this around inside of us. So when the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil, what God's saying is you can't hold on to it. Because when you hold on to it, it hurts you. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that somebody else is going to die. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt anyone more than it hurts you. Think about this if you have your listening guides. The root of bitterness only grows when watered by the moisture of our memory and fertilized by the failure, by our failure to forgive. See, bitterness, it eats us up from the inside out. It, it's something that the longer we carry, the more it's cultivated. We remember it. We hold on to it. And somehow, because we feel justified in it, which, listen, I'm not here this morning to convince you that the things that have hurt you weren't hurtful. That would be ridiculous. I understand that no one can force you to forgive. I know that even the mere conversation of the topic of forgiveness causes you to push back. Some of you in your mind are already saying this morning, but you don't understand my story. You don't understand the depth of my pain, what I've lost, how I was hurt. I think I do. I think I do. But I just want you to know that if, if that's you, I don't judge you. I've been there. I carried, for 25 years, I carried this intense, burning bitterness and hatred towards my father. And I didn't even know that it was there. I didn't even know what it was doing. I just thought that I was the way I was because that's the way that I was. I didn't know where all this rage and all this anger came from. But many of you have heard my story. And when I, when I became a Christian, when God saved me, that was the first thing I had to deal with. I had to... I had to forgive my dad for, for not being there. And it, it, was, it wasn't an easy process. And so I'm not telling you something that I haven't walked through that I don't know about. 
And I just remember when I first started to deal with this issue of unforgiveness, when God first started to press on my heart about it, I just remember thinking, well, what is my option? I mean, this is who I am. I'm just hurt. I'm broken. I'm mad. It's gone. It's over. You know, I can't just pretend like 25 years of my life didn't happen. And neither can you. But we do have options. And that's why God says the things he says is because he he loves us. And he knows exactly what we struggle with. And he's speaking directly into our pain. And he's bringing solutions to us. So understand this, that forgiveness is the decision to release a person from the obligation of when they injured me. It's a decision. See, I thought that I didn't have a choice. I thought that I was bitter because someone else had caused me to be bitter. And so because of what someone did to me, they made me the way that I am. But what the Bible taught me was that that's not true. I chose to be bitter. I didn't know it. But more importantly, I can choose to forgive. But listen, that's just the beginning. Because when it comes to to a conversation about forgiveness... I quickly realized how much I didn't understand about forgiveness. There's a lot of confusion, even in this room, about what forgiveness is. And so we just need to clear up a few things this morning so that we're clear about what we're talking about. It's not enabling Forgiveness is never enabling. You see, a simple illustration of this would be maybe you, let's say you're here this morning and and there's bitterness in your heart towards your spouse because your spouse uh, has a spending problem and has caused a lot of financial pain and struggle in your life because they... You found out they were spending a bunch of money behind your back or something like that. Okay, so forgiving them is not giving them a credit card, okay? When you forgive, you don't enable or facilitate the person repeating what they've done. It feels that way. It feels like when you start approaching forgiveness that somehow you're opening yourself up for further pain. It's not rescuing. Maybe uh, a young person who maybe made some bad choices and caused a lot of harm and, and hurt to their, to their family. Maybe they... 
snuck out in the middle of the night and took the car for a joyride and smashed it into a tree. Well, forgiving your teenager is not rescuing them from the consequences of what they've done. In other words, you can forgive them, but they still need to get a job and pay back the money or buy a new car or whatever the case may be. It doesn't, you're not rescuing them from the consequences of what they've done, okay? Because the enemy's going to try to convince you that it is. And then thirdly, it's not risking. And this is very important because for some of you in the room that are dealing with deep, deep hurt, you've got to understand. Look, it's not risking. If Maybe you say, well, my father's just a violent person, and when he gets drunk, he causes a lot of hurt and pain, and I can forgive him for what he's done without accepting his invitation to the New Year's Eve party, right? See, in other words, someone who hurts you, you don't just avail yourself to them in the same way so that they have opportunity to hurt you again in the same way. That's not what forgiveness is. That's not wise on any level. So what is forgiveness? How do we go about this? Well, first of all, Forgiveness is saying this. It's saying, well, you don't owe me. You don't owe me. I'm not trying to get even. See, I know about unforgiveness, and I know that the primary place that unforgiveness lives is in the conversations in our head, isn't it? That's where it lives. And so you need to say these things to yourself. I'm not trying to get even. I'm not hoping for vengeance. I'm not focused on your failure. I remember when I was trying to forgive my father that people would tell me, they would say, pray for your dad. That'll really help you. And I I think it did help me. But... It was still a struggle, and so I would say these things to myself before I prayed for him. You don't owe me. I'm not trying to get even. I'm not hoping for vengeance. I'm not focused on your failure. And then I would just say, God, wherever he is and whatever he's doing, Lord, would you put people in his path? Would you get his attention? Would you work mightily in his life? And then I, I knew I was getting healthy when I started praying for him to never struggle with feeling guilt over leaving. You see, but in God's grace, I'm moving beyond what has happened. I'm moving on. I'm putting this behind me. I'm not going to harbor it. I'm not going to feed it anymore. I'm going to take the rock 
and I'm going to drop it. See, it's supposed to be loud. That's why they go in metal cans. I said, we have to have metal cans. It has to be loud. Because when you drop rocks, it's not, it's not quiet. Because, see, that, that, that rock tells a story. It took a long time to endure what that rock represents. There needs to be a, a noise to remember what's replacing the noise that's been playing in my head. So here's what we do. We, we, we make a profession. And on your listening guide, there's a place. And you can, you can write, I forgive. And then you write a name for. And then you write the circumstance for which you're forgiving. Now what would be great is if you could write that down. If you could fill that in at the end of today. I know most of us in the room can't fill that in right now. It's too, it's too soon. We're not sure. We're not ready. It's too raw. And the truth of the matter is, you might be sitting next to or around the very person whose name you're going to write in there. But I want you to understand it's a decision. It's a choice. You make a profession that I am forgiving this person. And you write it down. And you say, here's what I'm forgiving you for. And then you just understand that the purpose behind all of this is that I choose to forgive. See, my purpose is that I've chosen. See, for 25 years, my purpose was chosen for me. And for some of you, it's going to be this, this life-altering moment when you, when you realize that you've allowed what someone has done to you to choose for you. And you can't do that anymore. You choose. You choose. God's given you the opportunity to choose to forgive. He's given you the strength and the power to be able to do that. Now there's a process. And I tried to simplify this as much as I possibly could. But it's, these pieces are super important. Here's the process. I won't bring it up to them anymore. I'm not bringing it up to them anymore. So if you've brought it up to them, then see, my, my bitterness was in silence because I didn't have anybody to bring it up to. So I just wounded everybody else. The person who was the source of all my 
hurt was not around. But either way, I'm not going to bring it up to them anymore. I'm not going to bring it up to others. See, I've made a choice. My profession is I've chosen to forgive, so I'm not bringing it up to others. And then most importantly, I'm not going to bring it up to myself anymore. No more. And here's what I learned. It's not like this happens and then you start walking and it's just gone forever and it never comes back. No, that's not what happens. So listen to what, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Inevitably, I believe that where you're most likely to fail is bringing it up to yourself or bringing it up to other people. And so here's what happens. When you fail, it's okay. When you fail and you find yourself having a conversation in your head, driving down the road or just in a moment, when, and then stop and go back Go back to the purpose. Remind yourself, no, I've chosen to forgive this. I've I've made the choice to forgive this. So I'm not going to bring it up to myself anymore. You're not going to the person, listen to me. The last thing I would tell you today is, is... Whoever you forgive, you need to go to them and tell them you forgive. Whoever came up with that idea, I'd like to talk to them for a few minutes. That's a bad plan, and it's not biblical. Do not go to the person and tell them that you forgave them. Why? Well, Let me explain something to you about forgiveness. That's a trap to do that. When Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, he didn't say, oh, I forgive you and I forgive you and I forgive you, or I want everyone to know that I forgive them. He didn't say that, did he? No, he did not do that. See, the Bible teaches that you You tell the person you forgave them when they acknowledge their sin against you. That's Luke 17, 4. Okay? So many people, listen, most of the time, the bitterness that we've been harboring, the person that we're bitter towards, A, doesn't, even know that we're upset, or B, if they know that we're upset, thinks that we're ridiculous and upset about nothing and, sh- and shouldn't be upset. So running to them and saying, oh, hey, I forgive you. Now, if you know they acknowledge the sin, then you tell them, sure. But what I'm talking about is between you and God. I didn't go on a nationwide search to find my dad. This was something that happened between me and the Lord. You say to yourself, well, I just don't know if I can do this. I just don't know. Well, here's what I know. See, I learned a lot about forgiveness early in my walk with Christ through the forgiveness of my dad. 
But over the last 25 years, I've also learned a lot about why God did that work in my heart first. Because if you're going to be a pastor, you're going to have to be an expert forgiver. And if you're going to be a pastor for 25 years in the same place with the same people, think about that. Think about how how flippant we are about changing our relationships in our life. But look at my relationships. I don't change. And I've learned something. Forgiveness is the key. It's the key because life without enduring relationships is no, is no life at all. But there's no enduring relationships without forgiveness. None. There's no marriage, there's no friendship, there's no relationships in this world that endure without forgiveness. And so it's a critical part of our lives. So when Jesus says, when the Bible says, look at verse 32... As we close, look at verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see what the Lord's telling us? Here's where we're going to get the strength to be able to do this. Because you can't forgive on your own. You, You can't get over what's happened on your own. But here's what you can do. You can forgive through the forgiveness you've received. You can. The Bible says in Psalm 103, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. But then, then, the next verse says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now here's what I want you to think about. When David wrote that verse, it's it's 1000 B.C. Do you understand that? Do you understand that, that the only understanding of the world was that it was flat? And God could have very easily come along and said, I've separated your sin as far as the north is from the south. But we have a north pole and we have a south pole. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but you can only go 12,000 miles north or 12,000 miles south. Because if you go more than 12,000 miles north, what happens? You start going south. But it doesn't work that way with east and west. See, I can go east for infinity. And you know where I'm only always going? East. I can go east unlimited and I can go west unlimited. 
And God specifically chose to tell us the east is from the west because he was making a point to us that when he forgives our sin, it is forgiven, it is removed. The God of the universe chose to tell us this in so many ways so that we'd be able to receive it, understand it, and then rely upon it as we forgive others. Listen, there may be earthly consequences for what someone's done. There may be legal consequences. Or even what you've done or what I've done. But here's the thing. When we sincerely repent before God, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. God looks at you and me and He feels the weight of all of our sin because all of our sin has been committed against Him. See, He's the offended one. He's the wounded one in our relationship just like we're struggling with this issue of how to forgive people who've hurt us, but we're the ones who hurt God. And He looks at us. He looks at me and He looks at you and He's I just remember the moment when I realized that I've been carrying this rock around for so long, angry at my dad. And I realized all of the terrible things that I had done against God. And you know what he did? That's what he did with my sin. As far as the east is from the west, that's what he did with your sin. It is possible this morning. It's possible for you, no matter what you've done, no matter how long it's gone on, it's possible for you to be forgiven of your sin. It's possible for you to forgive sin that's been committed against you. Maybe you need to drop the rock of your own sin into the mercy and grace of God this morning. Maybe that rock represents your sin. There's no chance you're going to forgive until you've been forgiven. And so if you haven't been forgiven, then that rock is your sin. And this can represents the grace and mercy of God who will separate you from it as far as the east is from the west. Well, maybe you need to drop the rock of your pain, of your bitterness, of your hurt towards whoever maybe towards God. You need to let it go. I thought about who might be here this morning who the person you need to drop the rock for the person you need to forgive is you. 
you can't forgive yourself. And you just keep beating yourself up and living in condemnation as if you have no choice when the Bible said no. In Christ, that's all gone now. And there's probably a few of you in the room that you'll take the rock home with you. And I hope that every time you see it, you'll think about what it represents and what God's called you to do with it. And I just want to remind you that if that's you, that the danger in that is if you read in Matthew chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer where God says, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He goes on just a couple verses later to say, if we don't forgive those who sin against us, God won't forgive us before the Father. That's how important forgiveness is. So for us today, listen, today is the day. So it won't be quiet. It can't be quiet. It shouldn't be quiet. These rocks have a story, and the sound of them is important. Colby, as you come, listen. Just like the sound of the waters stirring and baptism is important, just like the sound of praise coming from our mouth is important. The sound of forgiveness is important. So if you have a rock to drop today, I don't want you to set it in the can. I want you to drop it in the can. There are cans up here. There are cans at every door on your way out. And every time we hear that sound, that's the sound of someone getting free. That's the sound of someone letting go of their past. That's a beautiful sound in God's ears. It's a beautiful sound. So let's stand and bow our heads. And let's resist the temptation to do what we always do. Forget what we ought to remember and remember what we ought to forget. Let's don't do that. Let's be honest and deal with what needs to be dealt with. Don't take it from someone who has walked the painful road. Choose to forgive as you've been forgiven. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, what an opportunity you have this morning. So the altar will be open if you want to come. Kneel at the altar and pray. You're welcome to do that. I'll be here. The other pastors will be here. If you'd like us to pray for you or walk with you through some forgiveness or salvation or the need to get baptized or whatever it is we'd love to pray with you father take this time in your hands god you know the weight and the gravity of this moment the pain i i know i remember lord 
your hand just pressing down on me. And I'd been holding on for so long, I didn't know what, it, what to do without it. God, the freedom that comes in forgiveness is so glorious and amazing and wonderful. God, give us courage this morning to say this is real and this hurts and this is hard, but God, you're, you're worth it. You've made a way. You died to set me free. Set me free. I can't walk in bitterness and forgiveness at the same time. No. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood was sufficient to pay my penalty. That I could know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I'll be with you in heaven forever. And that I don't want anyone, even people who have hurt me, to miss out on that. Lord, thank you. Do what only you can do, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.